Welcome everyone to Velanut. I'm Jeff Whitfield, and if this is your first time joining us, if you consider yourself an average Joe cyclist, you're not a racer, you're just looking to find the next big adventure, well, you're in the right place. You may not be able to ride like a pro, but hey, at least you can ride like a geek. And before we get rolling with the podcast, just a few quick things to get out of the way. First, how you can help support Velanut. There are a number of ways you can do that. First, if you're listening to the podcast and you really, really like it, uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a rating. Let people know what you think about the podcast. Uh, second, you can go on to velanut.com and check out all the different articles and videos there. And if you like what you see or read or whatnot, uh, share it with other people. Let people know about it. Uh, third, you can also uh, donate directly by going to patreon.com slash velanut and giving us a donation. We would also always and really the appreciate second thing that. I just wanted to mention real quick is uh, has to do really with the current situation with the coronavirus and COVID-19 and all the other fun stuff going on around the uh, uh, country and around the world. Um, you may have noticed that there hasn't been quite as much material being released on velanut, not as many articles, and that's not intentional really uh, to be honest I think a lot of you know myself and, and others that um, that I talk to we're all kind of like dealing with the, the COVID situation and certainly I think it's it's created a situation where well you know it's kind of getting to a lot of us it's certainly getting to me a little bit and so with work and you know life in general and help raise a family um, you know it, it tends to kind of wear it's certainly worn me down, but it's certainly, I think I've heard a lot of other people say it's kind of wearing on them too. And that's caused us to kind of like, you know, lose a lot of productivity, lose a little bit of, uh, our momentum as it were, uh, while cycling as a industry is certainly booming to some extent because of COVID. Uh, I think us as riders, you know, we're starting to feel the little bit of wear and tear as a result of, uh, the current state of affairs. So that said, I'm going to be making uh, my best effort, uh, to put out new material and I certainly have got a lot. I've actually have quite a few reviews of some new stuff that I've put on my bike, and so I'm gonna. I've been riding pretty regularly, and so hopefully I'll be uh, releasing some new material soon. And in fact, I've got some new videos I'm gonna be working on soon, and hopefully we'll have those out as well. So, with that, let's get on to the podcast. And in today's episode, which is episode two of the Velonut Podcast, I bring back James Wilson of pedaling innovations again and uh, we have a wonderful discussion about strength training which is one of his big topics he is a personal strength trainer for uh, mainly mtb strength training systems uh, a lot of bike related type uh, strength training and so uh, i talk with james about that and we kind of get into the weeds i guess as it were about uh, strength training just in terms of uh, the basic approach to strength training uh, what strength training actually is uh, and james gives a, a wonderful uh, explanation of that and we kind of go over some maybe some tips and tricks and things on uh, kind of what goes into an average strength training program. And hopefully, I think later on, one of the things I'm going to try to do is, is create a video for you guys uh, showing kind of what my approach to it is and what my strength training program looks like. So I think it might be interesting. But in the meantime, listen to James and uh, hope you enjoy the discussion. Also, as a side note, I feel like I have to kind of point this out. Uh, during the podcast, you might actually hear a few noises coming on in the background. Uh, one of those is my printer going off. Apparently, at the time while I was recording the episode, um, my wife decided to do some printing and was printing on quite a few pages there for a few minutes. So, yeah, kind of has some noise in the background. And uh, while I've 
probably could have spent some time kind of like editing it out, I guess you could say. Um, I just, I'm lazy. I just felt like, you know, oh, to hell with it. It's not that bad. And so, you know, no big deal. But hopefully you don't find it distracting. But if you do hear that, you know, there's a little fun little tidbit there for you on the background noise. Anyways, all right, let's get on with it. All righty, back again with James. How's it going, man? Going great. Going great. It's another beautiful fall afternoon here in Fruta. So, uh, yeah, can't complain. Yeah, and I'm, I'm here in Dallas, Texas, so uh, it's actually kind of nice. It's getting kind of starting to kind of cool off a bit. And I'm like, oh, God, now i got to break out the flannel. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with fall, man. You know it's on the other side of it. So it's not like spring where you're like, okay, I know it's going to just get hotter which has its own miseries, especially in the, uh, you know, uh, I think I mentioned before, I, I lived in Tyler before I moved here. So I'm uh, well accustomed to those, uh, you know, North Texas uh, summers and oh, yeah. the humidity that goes along with them. Like it's not really <laughs> the temperature, that humidity is what yep. makes it a war of attrition. So yeah. <laughs> I was raised in Houston, so I know all about that, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> practically a desert there then. So, oh God, yes! It's uh, like you can like cut through the moisture with a knife. <laughs> you know? Yep, yeah. So that yeah, I don't have to deal with that here uh, in Fruta. We are literally in the the desert, but we do get winters here, and uh, it does get cold. And so yes, it is. Uh, that that was my thought too. I got to start getting ready for winter <laughs> here. But in the yeah. meantime, the fall afternoons are uh, awesome for Man. riding and just getting outside in general and enjoying. Uh, enjoying nature i can ride longer in in, in the fall you know oh so. yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so. temperatures comfortable yeah it's uh it's a it's a magical time to be on a bike uh Ooh, of yeah. all types all right well um for those who uh are just now joining in and have probably didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode um probably a good in, a time to kind of introduce yourself and say like you know what is it uh, you know in, in the office space lore you know the way what is mm -hmm. it that you say you do what do <laughs> yeah. I do yeah I get that question a lot it's funny I don't ever really know how to answer it because I got so many different <laughs> hats and things and usually when people ask me what do I do for work I say as little as possible but uh <laughs> um no, I do. Uh, I am a strength coach uh, by trade. You know, I started out as a personal trainer. Um, I had a, a background in athletics, running track. And so I'd always been kind of attracted to using strength training for improving your athletic performance. And so I'd kind of gravitated towards being more of a strength coach, which is, you know, kind of a personal trainer that works more specifically with athletes and people who are looking for uh, performance as opposed to just kind of general fitness and fat loss. And so, uh, yeah, I got into uh, mountain biking uh, back in 2000. And, you know, back then there was nothing in the mountain bike specific strength training uh, arena. And so I, I can't say nothing. There were some people, there were a few things here and there, but it was, it wasn't very good. It was like bodybuilding, you know, BS in disguise, you know, three <laughs> sets of 10 on the leg press and leg curl and leg extension right. and stuff like that. And so I started applying the stuff that I knew as a strength coach to mountain biking, uh, had some good results with myself and some other people decided to put a website up in 2005 uh, and create MTV strength training systems. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the start of my, of uh, Bike James, I guess. That's the website uh, now is bikejames.com. And uh, yeah, over the last, I mean, since 2005 and really before that, 
just been focused on trying to find the best training methods to help people improve, uh, you know, how they feel and perform both on and off the bike, because that's one of the big things I've come to realize over the years is you can't disconnect those two things that, uh, ignoring your health in, in pursuit of just, you know, specific fitness for a sport is not the best long-term solution. Uh, and if, so if you're looking to do this over the long term, then you got to keep those things in mind. So my focus over the last few years has definitely been more on just kind of your average everyday rider and how they can enjoy riding more, not only now, but for years and years to come, as opposed to focusing on, uh, you know, high level athletes and, and stuff They kind of are a different animal and present different uh, problems. And so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, a little bit of my background. I'm also the creator of the Catalyst Pedal, uh, which is, I think, what we were talking about uh, mostly last time, yep. uh, which is the world's first midfoot optimized pedal. And again, based on my insights as a strength coach and, you know, barefoot training and barefoot running advocate. And uh, yeah, for the last eight years, I've also been doing jujitsu and I own a small jujitsu <laughs> school here in Fruita as well. So uh, yeah, a few <laughs> things uh, keep me busy, but um, it all really just centers around trying to help people move and perform better and enjoy life and, and whatever it is their chosen activity is better. Uh, and that's really kind of at the heart of, of everything that I'm, I do. So, but, uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Awesome. Well, that, I guess leads us into, uh, talking about your favorite topic, which is uh, mud flaps. Yeah. We're gonna talk about mud flaps today. Mud flaps are great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like them. They keep you clean. So, All right, podcast over. All right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you ride somewhere where horses are too, man. You definitely need mud flaps. Oh, you don't God. want freaking horse poop in Which, disguise. <laughs> I was about to say that. I was like, you know, I actually was on this ride uh, last Christmas. Um, you know, the, the the local uh, bike club that I'm a part of here, they do a Christmas ride and every year. And when we go downtown at Houston, there's, I mean, not Houston, Dallas, there's a part that we go through where they do, uh, you know, the the carriage rides you know the big old-fashioned horse-driven carriage yeah. rides and every time I, we go on these things it without fail we run over horse shit and oh, yeah. and if you ever run over horse shit especially off your front tri- uh tire it's like until it just like wears off on the tire no matter what you're just gonna keep smelling it <laughs> yeah it's like oh god yeah no. Yeah, I'm not necessarily. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not anti-horse, but it does uh, surprise me that in this day and age we still allow people to ride giant prey animals that move all <laughs> over the place yeah, uh, no, around weird. with other human beings. But um, anyway, like, it's like a yeah. dog that you ride on. Uh, anyway, no, so, dogs no. a dogs a, uh, a a predator animal. That's why yep. horses are so skittish, man. They're giant prey I animals. Know. Like but that's why sweet. they are a loaded gun waiting to go off on, on some yeah. ways because if you know that's why you got to be real careful around them as a biker you know i don't know if people realize that right? like that's why as riders you you have to give the right of way to the yep. horse people and it's not just political bs it's for everybody's safety because mm-hmm. that horse could easily interpret you as a predator and the way that you're moving and your height and all that so when you get off and separate yourself from the bike the horse can tell like oh this is a human and it's not going to freak yep. out. And so, uh, yeah, you got to be careful around those things. Like I grew up around horses. So, you know, like I said, I know that it's a, uh, um, uh, you know, they're, they're great, but you, if you get, if you don't know how to handle them or you get around <laughs> people that don't know how to act around them, like things can get kind of sketchy. So, yeah. um, so, but anyway, so tip. there's your bike tip for the episode, folks. Uh, be careful it. when you yeah. ride around horses. Yeah. yeah. 
Good bike tip. All right. Yep. So now the For actual sure. topic. Dogs. Oh, hold yes. on. Somebody's at my door, so my wife will get there it. There we go. Oh, no worries. And, uh, it's always fun yeah. doing podcasts. Unfortunately, right. my office never is right by the front door, <laughs> and the dogs are all wound up and ready to uh, to, to to bark. Oh, so. so poke a little bit of humor in this, you know, because this, this is uh, yes. this is podcasting in the COVID era, folks. Yeah, this is live. This is this is real life, people. This is <laughs> happening X. now. Um, so the real topic actually is going to be strength training because I mean yes. you're a trainer, and I think I mentioned in the last episode that's like a really good topic because I think there's a lot of people that. Just like me, you know, when I first started out, I was like, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just went into the gym and just kind of did the rotation of all the little, uh, you know, uh, machine weights, as it were, not knowing that what I was doing was really kind of like the wrong way to do it. Oh, I'll just do all these different exercises and I'll be fine. No, Mm -hmm. that's not what it's really all about. So, I mean, I know the gist of the answer, but you, you know, as a professional trainer can probably address, you know, the topic of like, Pretty much, you know, for people that are starting out, what is strength training and really kind of like how what's the best way to start and approach it? Ooh, okay. Ooh. What is strength training? <laughs> what is so, strength training? Yeah. And again, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I think everybody, you know, goes through that um, phase where you start working out. And if you work out long enough, you realize like, oh, wait a minute, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. And because you know you can just grab a magazine right like i used to compare it to like working on a car like nobody would grab an issue of car and driver magazine you know read a couple of them and go yeah pop the hood buddy i'm going for it i know what i'm doing with this car <laughs> but like it's, that's kind of the way that people approach training you know their their body and and how to improve their body because they'll read a couple of uh you know magazines or website articles or or maybe even a book, right? Like, and, and so then they're like, okay, yeah, I know what's going on here. Pop the hood. I'm going for it. And, mm-hmm. and so, like I said, you, there's no matter how good of a starting point you have, no matter how good of a book you read, no matter what it is, you know, strength training is one of those journeys that you're always trying to figure out like, okay, is there a better way to do this? What's the most efficient way to do this? And so you're always gonna, I mean, I tell people, you know, if you don't look back on what you did like five years ago and kind of smack your forehead a little bit, you're not really evolving, right? Like there's a difference between 10 years experience and the same one year repeated 10 years in a row. Yep. And, and so if you're approaching anything, life, writing, strength training, whatever that is, like that should be your, your approach is like, okay, it's a continual improvement yep. uh, sort of thing. And so we all go through that. I mean, when I started working out, was still back in the, the uh, bodybuilding hit. I and mean, I started working out, at, at, you know, as a teenager. So I've got like 30 plus years of strength training experience uh, just personally. And, you know, back then, like bodybuilding was it. Like if yeah. you thought that's how athletes train, that's how everybody trained. And you're reading muscle and fitness and flex and muscular development. Yeah. And you're, and, and so, you know, man, I used to blitz my quads and blast my <laughs> biceps. And man, I did all that stuff. I, I bought the Mega Mass 2000, the big dog food bag sized, you know, <laughs> things of sugar that they would sell you for, so- for putting on weight. Man, so I'm it's like uh, Cartman from uh, South Park, right? Weight gain 4,000. Yeah, 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 man. Beefcake. Beefcake. Yes. Beefcake. <laughs> exactly, man. I'm beefcake. I'm not fat. I'm getting, I'm beefcake. 
Yeah. So, you know, man, yeah. So I can look back on just so many crazy things that I've done and so many mistakes that I've made and, uh, you know, that I've learned from. And so that's one of the, you know, things you find somebody who's made a lot of these mistakes and they can, you know, help you avoid them. Um, but, uh, yeah, is like, what is strength training? And this is kind of where people get confused and, and you start in the wrong direction right off the bat, because the point of strength training is to improve your, like strength is tension skills, right? Like if you really break it down, like how do you create movement? And because that's what it is, it's, it's whether we're in the gym lifting or whether we're on our bikes or whether we're whatever it is, right? Like strength is based around movement. You have to create movement to display strength. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And on yeah. top of that, I mean, you have, uh, you know, it's like your muscles are just not like a one trick pony. There's like, you know, two different kinds of muscles really in there. You know, your yeah. uh, fast twitch and your slow twitch muscles and stuff. And so strength training is really about, you know, working on, on both of those things and improving on them. Yeah. So what, so what do muscles do? Like muscle fibers, like you just mentioned, type one, type two, yeah. you know, whichever one you're talking about, muscle fibers are dumb. They don't know how to do anything. They They're just right. know how to contract and relax. That's it. Okay, so muscle fibers can create tension. Like when they contract, they're creating tension, and when they're relaxed, they're, they're not. And that's, that's it, that's all they can do. And so you're, when you boil it down, like what is strength? Well, it's your ability to display and control tension because your, your, your muscles are creating tension and then that's how you, you're, you're displaying strength. And so what you want to do is figure out, well, what do I want to get stronger at? So, you know, for example, like doing jujitsu is a really good example of this because there's a lot of people who, who do jujitsu, but they don't do strength training and they'll be like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I don't do strength training. You don't need strength training. It's like, well, you know what? Doing jujitsu is strength training. Yeah. Like when, when you're on the mat and you're wrestling, like that is strength training. So yep. same thing with riding your bike, like riding your bike is a form of strength training. Like there is some strength going on, especially if you're riding, you know, hills and having to push like those harder gears and lower RPMs, like that is a form of, of strength training. And so if you do that enough, your body's going to get stronger at that. And so like, and ultimately that's what you're looking for. And again, there's cyclists. Like we all know people who are really good riders who don't necessarily work out yep. and it's because, but they've probably been riding for a really long time. Yep. They're and, also running, they're also running the risk of osteoporosis. <laughs> so. Oh no, no, no. There, yeah. There's all sorts. This gets back to the health thing, right? Like yeah. this is why strength training, it's not just performance on the bike, but it's also your health off of the bike. But yep. This is why it can get confusing. It's to like, well, why do some people not need strength training, but other people seem to do? Well, and what exactly do you want? Well, it's the same thing, like, for instance, with people like, you know, dieting, for instance, okay? Uh, my mom talked about this literally the other day. She can, uh, she has a friend who could just eat calories upon calories upon calories. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 1,600, 1,800, 2,000 calories a, a day and never, you know, gain a pound. And actually yeah. have a hard time actually even gaining weight because her metabolism is so freaking high. Whereas my mom, on the other hand, has to eat like a lot, you know, if she eats that much, she'll just end up just, you know, tanking on the pounds. Same thing I think with strength training is like some people just naturally have, uh, you know, a high level of fitness, whereas some people really kind of had to work at it, you know, just to get there. Yeah. Well, but again, like this is where people get confused, like doing your sport is strength training. Yeah, absolutely. So if you say that, like, I don't do strength training, but you do, you're doing your sport, that's not necessarily yeah, true, right? True. We usually yeah. think of strength training as 
in the gym doing deadlifts and squats. And this, yeah. and, and again, this is where the confusion comes that's, in because people separate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a form of strength training, right? Like, because yeah. what you got to look at, you got two types of training. You've got general and you have specific. Right. Right. And so in, if you're on your bike, you're, that's specific training. Right. If you're off of the bike, it's general training. And so, but it's all, but it's, it's, it's strength training. It's just, what is it? And so that's why, like I said, like if you understand that riding your bike is a form of strength training, again, mountain biking, road riding, whatever, whatever it is, right? Like riding your bike is a form of strength training. And so, and that's the best type of strength training you can do, right? So you want to be able to do it and, and do uh, you know, a reasonable amount of it. And that's where your, your gains, I guess, like that's, that's going to be your, your priority, right? Like you're, because the problem is, is that people start to think, okay, I need to get uh, stronger. And so they go, okay, well, I got to do a deadlift. And this bike James guy, he says, I got to be able to do a, you know, one and a half to two times body weight deadlift to have enough strength to, to, you know, for mountain biking. And so, well, I'm going to focus on deadlifting and, and getting stronger at that deadlift. And so they're going to do like a powerlifting program that has them like lifting like a powerlifter. And you know what? Their deadlift numbers are going up, but they're sore and they're not able to ride as effectively. Mm -hmm. And so are they really getting better as a rider or, you know, CrossFit really brought this to light. There's a, I, I mean, yeah. I can't even tell you how many riders that I have worked with that the story is, is one day they finally realized that CrossFit as it's laid out, like if you do just pure CrossFit with no modifications, it does not jive well with riding because you're sore and you're beat up and you're tired because it is a sport in and of itself. So and dangerous. so you have to, <laughs> yeah. And so, but you have to decide like, what am I actually, where, where do I want to see my gains? And yeah. so if it's on the bike, then you want to stay focused on that. You're not worried about your numbers with the general training as much as you are with your performance and and stuff with the specific training yeah so it's more and about specificity so, right so i mean like you don't want to yeah. like know uh it's not just i want to get stronger on the bike well, no you got to really kind of think about like what is your goals like what is it that you're trying to achieve and part of oh, that yeah, is also even, especially with cycling it's about uh what kind of rides do you want to do? All right, let's talk about that. And then actually it's about evaluating you know, your strengths and your weaknesses, right? Like here's the areas I'm really good at. I've got really good upper body strength or something like that. And uh, you know, it's my legs that are really the problem, you know, that sort of thing. You know, or I got a knee issue or something like that. You know, it's like mm -hmm. identifying those things. And some of those can be actually kind of hard for some people, I would imagine. Yeah, no, figuring out your, your strengths and weaknesses. And you know, for me, I, I uh, tend to look at a, a hierarchy and again this is just so if we've established that you know strength is basically your tension skills correct applied yeah. to different movements and then if, and, and then we've we can agree that as riders mm -hmm. the area we're most in, concerned about improving those tension skills is is on the bike right that off the bike you know will come and go but it, it's the on the bike stuff that we're really you know, worried about, right? And like, right. I, I had an email from somebody the other day and, and it, it brought this to light. I've said this before, like, if I offered, man, you take a hard training cyclist, man, someone who's in the gym and they're working out all, you know, they got good numbers on their deadlifts and their squats yep. and they got the good functional power threshold numbers on their cardio workouts and, you know, all that stuff is just there. And I came to them and I said, look, dude, 
I'll improve your performance on the bike by 5%, but you're going to lose 10% of your numbers in training. Would you take that trade off? And you know, it's, it's, it's shocking how many people would have to think about that. The answer should be yes. The answer without even thinking about it should be yes. Yeah. I want to be 5% faster on my bike. I don't give a crap how much I lift. I don't give well, a crap what my, what my numbers are in training. Yeah. If my numbers in training go down, but my performance goes up, then something good is happening. Yeah. I talk about that all the time with, uh, you know, people in, in other areas, you know, like about how, you know, qualitative versus quantitative. And that's kind of what you're talking about is that, yeah, you can quantify the numbers. You can look at the numbers and go, I'm improving. Yes, but there's also like, why are you improving? Why do you think you're improving? Okay, let's go see what the reality of that actually looks like, you know, for in, in practice. Then you go and you look at yeah. it and you go, uh, okay, well, actually, you're not improving the way you think. Uh, Right, and and it's not until you actually see it in practice that you that qualitative comes into play, and, and that's kind of what you're kind of getting at. It's like, yeah, you can look at all the numbers all day long, but in practice, what does that actually right. look like? The bottom line, like, what is it? You know, if you're running a business, are you making more money? Right, like every other you know number can be great, but if you're not making money, then yeah, but even you don't even have that a could be, but even that can be elusive. It's like you know, yeah, I'm making money, yeah, but are your customers happy? You know, it's like things like that. Right, 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 right. And but those things, yeah, I would agree. But at the end of the day, if you you know, you have to have that. You know, what is what is that metric that's letting me know what what I'm doing is working? Oh yeah. Oh, of course. You always have and, metrics, but it's always that thing of looking at both the numbers. And, yeah, yeah. You, know, you you, you got to keep it in perspective, right? Yeah. Like you never you don't want to be so blinded by one number or one right. thing that you know. So, and again, exactly. this is where. I'm improving on the bike, but I'm getting osteoporosis. Is yeah. that good? No. no. It's like right? also like, so again. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. It's yeah, like I you, look at FTP. So, you know, functional threshold power. It's like for a lot of cycles, that's like the end all be all metric and every yep. bit of strength training can actually push those numbers up. That's great. But in practice on your rides, does that actually improve anything? Yes. Yes. And this is what you see a lot with, uh, um, I see it in my world, mountain bikers using road riding programs and, and using road bikes to train in the off season. And then they get on their mountain bikes and they're, they haven't improved. Yeah. And it's because, well, you're training for, you know, something different, like a, like road riding is a completely different sport, you know, completely different thing. Yeah. Just because you're on a bike if, from your brain's point of view, from your body's point of view, they're two completely different things. Yeah. And so, you know, but people will do that. And it's amazing how many people will train year after year after year because that's what they're quote unquote supposed to do, but they don't actually see the the improvements on the trail, but they just continue to do it because they think that's what they're supposed to do. And again, that's, that, that's what frustrates me because those people, you know, they, they want to improve and they're, they're willing to put in the time and the effort, but they're having trouble figuring out where do I put my energy and where, what do I do with it to get the best result. And so again, that goes back to like, well, the, the number one thing is ride your bike. So, you know, yep. for mountain bikers, I tell them like, you need to be riding a mountain bike. Like it makes no sense for you as a mountain biker to ride a road bike. If you enjoy riding a road bike and you want to do it for fun, you know, whatever, that's fine. But doing it for training makes zero sense at all because ultimately you're training your brain at the end of the day, like we said, tension, but what creates tension? The brain, the brain is what tells the muscles to contract. So ultimately you're training the brain and in the brain maps, what it's learning very specifically to the, the context that it's in. And so your position 
is a context for your body to learn how to move and, and improve its ability to create strength, power, and its endurance. And so if you are on your mountain bike, you're in a much different position than you are on a road bike from just positionally speaking. And so that's a different context for your body. The, the bike also weighs more. That's a different context, right? Yep. There's all these things that are different and those create a different context. So it's easy to look at it and say, hey, those are both bikes. So it's the same thing. And they're not. It's, it's completely different when you actually look at it from a contextual standpoint and how your brain is mapping what it's doing onto it. And so that's why like riding your bike is the best thing you can do. So yep. if you're going to go do a, you know, go for a road ride for cardio training as a mountain biker, do it on your mountain bike. You will, yep. you will not get the same benefit from doing it on your uh, from doing on, on a road bike. And that's why I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, using a trainer, uh, and trying to use your bike, like spin bikes and air assault yeah. bikes. Like I have air assault bike. I love them. They're great. But if you're really Peloton. trying to, or, yeah, right. Uh, you know, if you're really trying to dial in and get the most crossover, uh, from your training time to the trail or to your bike, yeah. like, you know, to your, your performance on the bike, then you need to do as much of your cardio training and stuff on your bike as yep. you can. Yep. And, and so, um, yeah. And you, you mentioned know, the, spin you mentioned, classes is not going to be as effective. No. And you mentioned the very uh, three things I was hoping you would actually mention. That is, is like you know the components of kind of what goes into strength training. And there's actually for me a fourth one. You mentioned strength, uh, power, and endurance. It's like those are like the three core ones. Yeah. And I would argue yep. actually there's also kind of a fourth one that's combine you know those three things kind of combine into it and even that's balance uh which you know stabilizing that stabilizing your muscles to be able to, to maintain some form of balance you know that's that yep. requires your core requires you know all your strength and all of that uh and to your point you have to kind of get on your bike and 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 ride and i've told people you know that have never ridden like gravel for instance uh you got to get out and ride gravel you're not going to just road 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 and all of a sudden get back on a gravel yeah. road and go oh this is easy no i've had people that have even told me and it's like holy shit i got on a gravel road and started trying to ride and i was like i couldn't believe you know how much of my i, I felt sore after i'm like yeah because you're using a lot more of your core you're like you're using your arms and your shoulders more uh, to maintain you know balance and maintain stabilization on the road uh it's not like riding on a pavement <laughs> it's a totally different experience yeah. Uh, and that requires, yeah. you know, it's like literally just a good example. Of this is of how that kind of translates into something for strength training. I just restarted my uh, routine, and part of the the first uh, eight weeks is nothing but like stabilization type routines, where building basic overall strength, but I'm also uh, uh, adding exercises that incorporate a lot more balance type things, like a single leg squat touchdown. That kicks me in the ass every time, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, just because all of a sudden I feel it on my quads, I feel it on the inside of my hamstrings. I'm like, holy shit. That's like, oh, okay. I felt that. Um, but it, it's an amazing exercise for just balance. Just getting, you know, a sense of your center and, you know, getting incorporating multiple muscle groups in order to do that. So, yeah. Something to throw out. Yeah, no, I think balance is definitely a, an important skill. Balance is also going to be, um, you know, specific you know, you, you can get some general, it's going to have some crossover, but they've done some yeah. studies and found that like, you, you, there's not a whole lot of crossover from getting better on balancing on a BOSU ball or, you know, a, a stability ball and balancing on your bike, you know, like, no, you know, really. it's, it's, 
you know, so, you know, again, it's, it's fun to, uh, have some of those elements in, but I, I would say like balance that would, the fourth one for me is, uh, like mobility and, and yeah, your ability okay. to move. Yeah. And, and I guess it's I, where I a lot like of those balance, balance exercise. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Just kind of incorporate all of that stuff. Yeah. See the stiffer you are and the less freely you can move, the more likely you're going to be to knock yourself out of balance as you move, because so if then, you can move perfectly, yeah. your body's going to be able to move in a way that stays balanced. And you, so, you get off balance yeah. when you get into a position where your body has to compromise optimal position to try to continue to come down into a range of motion or move into a range of motion. And then that is what ultimately knocks you off balance. And, and so, um, but yeah, that, that mobility, you know, uh, and, and, and those, those kind of are the four elements like mobility, strength, power, and cardio endurance. And, and they actually, they move along a continuum from most general to most specific. So mobility, yeah. for example, you don't have to get very specific with mobility, like a good hamstring stretch for a mountain biker is going to be a good hamstring stretch for a road rider is going to be a good hamstring stretch for a sprinter. Yep. Right. Then you get into strength and strength starts to get a little bit more specific, but not much. Right. Like, you know, I would argue that, you know, if you're a cyclist that doing, um, you know, windmills, for example, like that's that's a fundamental movement pattern behind cornering on your bike, your ability to, to create rotational energy into and out of the ground. And so, you know, that is going to be more important than, say, for a sprinter. Right. Because yep. they don't have to worry about that rotational element. They just run in a straight line. But right. they're both need, going to need to do general strength training. And so, you know, 90% plus of what you're going to do from a strength training standpoint is going to be pretty similar among different athletes and athletes within a sport. Uh, so it's still pretty general power where you're applying your, your strength fast, you know, more kind of, uh, um, I guess game speed sort yep. of strength, uh, you know, that's going to be even more specific. And so you got to start looking at, you know, how, how you're creating power in your sport. And then this is also why like doing your sport is so great because you're able to train that power specifically for your sport. And then finally you've got the endurance and that's the most specific. And that's what we were just talking about that. Like you need to be doing this as specific to your sport as you possibly can. And you're going to get the least amount of crossover looking at what other athletes do. Whereas like, you know, a mountain biker could look at, look at what a road rider is doing in the strength training and mobility arena and, and learn some things from it, looking at what they do from an endurance standpoint, there's almost nothing for you to learn from them from an endurance standpoint, because that's the most specific element of training to each athlete. And so, but you know, those are those four things and that's how you should approach your training. Like endurance is the, is that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like yep. your ability to move freely should be the foundation for everything else. And then your ability to basically strength is is stress proof stress proofing your movement like can you place some stress on your movement and not have it break down so it's one thing to do a bodyweight squat but can we put a little load on you have you do some reps and fatigue set in and are you going to be able to maintain that same movement quality like that's that's kind of what strength is is stress proofing your movement yep. and then power like we we're saying now it's be it's getting more like kind of game speed you know sport specific speed applied to movement yep. You know, again, for a rider, it would be doing things like, you know, swings or broad jumps or your box jumps, like these these things where you're applying these patterns, but you've you've earned the right to do the power, right? Like, and, and, then, and then you've got the endurance, which is the last thing. But if you look at like how most recreational cyclists approach training, it's from the top down. 
they're they're most worried about cardio training. They go and buy a Peloton bike or they go and, you know, they, they go to the training peaks and sign up for some, you know, you know, do your first century ride cardio training program. And they start there and then they read about, oh, this functional threshold power thing. This is important. So I need to work on my power. I'm going to start doing, you know, like, you know, you know, uh, jumping box squats and lunges and, you know, these power moves because that's going to increase my power. And, and then they might work into doing some strength training and then they might work into doing some mobility. But the mobility and, and movement quality stuff is usually like an, an afterthought. It's kind of fit in where it can because the, the, the cardio training and the power training are the most important. And then these other things are just kind of, and that, that's totally backwards, totally yeah. backwards for the way that you want to approach it. And so, um, and again, that's why I'm such a big pro- fan and proponent of, for recreational cyclists, I personally don't think you need to be doing a lot of specific power and, car- and cardio training. Ride your bike. Yep. That's, Ride that's your bike. True. That's it. I've, right. You know, so, yeah, because I have yeah. one of the guys that was on my bike club that, that we were riding one day and we were kind of talking about that. That's basically all he says. So you want to get better on the bike? Get on your damn bike and ride. Just keep yes, riding. Ride your bike. Uh, that's one of the main things. But uh, and to that point, I mean, uh, one of the things I think you mentioned about uh, you know, as far as like you know, starting off and approaching strength training, it's that's you. I think you touched on it, the the nerve of this is that I think a lot of people when they start off, uh, that's what they do. They just kind of like go from one thing to another, and they don't like stop to think like, okay structured training you know like putting some kind of like structure to it even for an everyday person i mean there's still i mean like if you read about uh doing power workouts for instance okay and you think oh i gotta go do that and yeah but there's this thing called periodization right and you don't want to go straight into doing power workouts because you're going to set yourself up for a world of hurt for one (laughs) i I know that for from firsthand experience um yeah you want to work yourself up to that you know, before you start, you know, really putting that kind of much stress on your muscles. And so that's where that periodization kind of thing comes into play is like, you know, setting yourself up on a program where it's like, I'm, I'm building off of what I did before and, and kind of working my way up to something, to an actual end goal. Um, yeah. And that, I think a lot of people will have a tendency to forget that one thing, uh, starting off because they just don't know. I was like, I didn't know any better. It's not until you right. read about it and you start trying to tailor a program that, that fits your body type and that kind of thing um, into something that's actually doable for one. You know, not everybody can get on a TRX training system and do all the crazy shit you can do on those things. You know? Right, yeah. You're just going to hurt yourself if you do. Um, so, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, taking it, uh, starting off slow, taking it uh, in a place where you know you, that you're capable of and then building up off of that. And periodization, you know, uh, building it up to say something where you are actually capable of doing a power workout. Yeah, yeah. Now I would I would agree with that. I'd say that there's two types of periodization. You know, it's it, yes. there is the you know actual periodization, which is what you know Olympic athletes. You know, that's what it was right. developed for. Was a was right. a four year training cycle for Olympic athletes. Um, you know, it's been adapted for other athletes but you know but i that type of periodization is a disaster for your average rider. yes yeah that's not what i'm even talking about but go ahead (laughs) no no i know and i'll touch on that because what you're talking about is planning yes right so a lot of times people will use the word periodization is just kind of a fancy word for planning correct and you do need to have a plan 
right? But if you're trying to do periodization, periodization often relies on you achieving a certain number of training hours at a certain load yes. at a certain percentage. And you have to like build on that slowly and back off. And man, you know what, if the kids are sick one week and you don't get your training in, it can throw the whole thing off. And then that adds stress because you're like, oh man, I'm off on my train, you know? And so I, I have found that like periodization is best left to athletes and planning right. is what you want to do yeah. as a recreational cyclist. But you can learn some lessons from periodization. And if you look yeah. at how they do that, what you're talking about is absolutely correct that they will spend a lot of time in the beginning working on movement quality and basic strength. I mean, that is the bulk of what they're doing in the early phases of a training program. And that's, mobility. that's what- That's your point. It's like building on mobility. Yeah, yeah, mobility and movement quality, exactly. Those, and, and just basic strength. Those should be the core. And so it goes back to what I was saying that like, you know, the power and endurance can come, but if they don't come, it's really not that big a deal if you are covering your, your movement quality, your mobility and your strength and you're yep. riding your bike. Because yep. riding your bike will cover those other two bases. And and so if you do get to the point where, you know, say it's the off season and so you're not able to ride as much, well, that's when, you know, I encourage people, okay, well, this is when you might want to look at trying to add some specific cardio and power training because you can't ride your bike. So you do need to have something um, yeah. in that area. But or, I will say it's not a coincidence that the best riders in the world and pretty much every sport and discipline come from areas where they can ride all year round. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's also, no, I was going to say, is that, uh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, and then, and then there's also the aspect of, you know, even when you're on your bike, there are going to be parts where it's like, um, where, you know, where you have some weaknesses. Like for instance, I've, I've had for the longest time, I've always had a problem of, uh, my hands getting numb, you know, and the number one solution to that is, is well, build up your core. So that way you're not putting as much stress and, and, uh, you know, pressure on your wrists. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's a relatively simple thing, but it's like people don't know exactly how to go about that. Well, okay, build McCord, what does that mean? Um, and that's just one of those things yeah. like building stability. Building stability, yeah. And this is one of the reasons, like I, my my training is is really changed a lot, like pretty radically over the last few years. Um, and again, just a better understanding of what the actual science is behind getting stronger, because this is right. unfortunately where, man, a lot of what we're doing it's it's more like for for keeping people entertained and looking good on instagram than like what the science actually says works and is effective and one of the most effective things that people can do to get stronger is isometric training yeah and it's one of the safest things that you can do it's one of the things you were talking about balance and stability like you know for me one of my i got a couple isometric tests that i i run riders through to see where they're at and one is your ability to hold a low lunge for, yep. I mean, preferably a minute, right? Like, but if you can't even make 30 seconds, so basically a low lunge is like, you're doing a lunge and you come down and you stop with your knee about an inch off the ground, like just yes. before you would it's stop that, in reverse direction. Yeah, it's that hold, right? right? So when, when we talk yes. about isometric training, what are we talking about? Like, what is isometric training? Which, like, I think, I, is a plank, I think, is like a good example, right? Yes, a plank is the most common. Yeah, people do isometrics, they just don't realize it. Anytime you are creating, yes, yeah. if you're creating tension without movement, that's isometric. So like if you pause at the bottom of a squat, if you yes. go down and you hold for a three count, that's an isometric. Yeah, so there's a, there's that's what a, saying. Yeah, and that's the thing also, like when anybody is doing any kind of exercises, it's like uh, 
anything where you're, you know, it's the uh, lengthening and of, of the muscle in return, right? And the shortening, um, yeah. And the shortening, right. And so, and then part of that is also, you know, you have the amount of time you're spending on that. So, like, you know, if I'm doing like a bench press, right, uh, the push up, I'm doing it a certain number of seconds. I hold it for a certain number of seconds and I go back down a certain number of seconds or maybe even like a certain yeah. number of second hold. But it's, that's what you kind of were talking about, like, especially when you're talking about isometric stuff, it's like, you know, when you're doing like lunges, for instance, uh, yeah, you're going to go down, but you're going to pause. And that pause is like super important. It's like, especially when you're doing things like uh, bridges, you know, you do a bridge, you don't just bridge up, bridge down, bridge up, bridge down. No, bridge, hold, back down, bridge, hold, back down. It's like, yeah, forget that. I'm just talking about not even doing the movement because really, like, here's it. the... Yeah, just just hold the bottom of a lunge. Can you hold the bottom of a push up for a minute? Mm-hmm. Right, like most people can't. Like really, you shouldn't be doing movement based strength training until you can do that. Like if you're doing movement based strength training, yeah, you know, and you can't hold an isometric lunge for thirty seconds, yeah, something like there's the movement will cover up technique flaws. Yeah, I can't do like pull ups for instance, but uh, I heard read that the one of the best ways to learn how to do a proper pull up. Or just be able to do them is the isometric thing. You pull yep. and you hold that pull up yep. while your yep. your chin's kind of close to the bar. Just to hang, then, yeah, yeah, just hang and hold that as long as you can, and then go back down and just do, repeat yep. the same thing over and over and over again. It sounds you know counterintuitive, but it apparently you no know, man. Can actually, again, your so let's, let's go back to like what we established at the very beginning. What is strength? Strength is tension, tension mm-hmm. skills. That's what it is. And, and, and so movement is your ability to apply tension to a movement, but where, where we got confused. And this was my big aha moment. I had a guy <laughs> who, who introduced me to the isometrics made this statement and it was like this light bulb went off and he said, there's a difference between the skill of creating tension and applying that, that tension to a movement. These are two yeah. different skills, but we treat them like the same thing. So yeah. in order to get stronger, for example, at your squat, you do movement-based stuff, you move. But that's that's not working on your tension skills. That's working on your ability to apply the tension skills that you have to the squat. Yeah. So how do you how do you work on the tension skills, which which again we agreed at the beginning are, are at the root of actual strength? Isometrics. Yep. That is that is working 100% on tension skills when there's no movement taking place, then it is relying on 100% on tension. And so your, your tension skills are your isometric strength. Yeah. And so that should be the basis for somebody's strength training. Like before they, they start doing any movement based stuff, they should have a, an isometric training phase. And again, people are like, Oh, you got to train fast and move fast. No, no. Again, go, go look at the science people. The science does not support that at all. The science does not support this idea that if you do isometrics, you're going to get slow. Uh, it, Actually, that's it, just so, the opposite because, I mean, it's just like I was saying before about how I would get, like, numbness in the hands. It's because I was putting yep. so much pressure on the handlebar, right? And that's uh, isometrics are applied on the bike in more ways than one. All the time. And your core strength, for instance, is yes. important in that. That's all isometric because when you're yes. on a bike, uh, you're supporting your whole body on the saddle with your core. And that is an isometric thing that, that is being yes. applied when you're on the bike. You know, I'm yes, supporting exactly. my weight. I'm supporting my body, you know, through my entire core, through and yep. through. That's nothing but yeah. isometrics as I'm riding. Yep. 
So that's that's the idea. I have a, a program. It's called the Atomic Strength Training Program. Uh, right. You know, you can find it at the bikejames.com website, and it is an isometric uh, training program. It, you know, it's geared for mountain bikers, but it's great for cyclists in general. I mean, it's right. again because strength is pretty general between the disciplines. Like, you know, uh, so uh, but it is it's a unique training system that I developed myself using two different kinds of isometrics that allow you to work on your your recruitment pattern like how efficiently you're able to use your muscles right and then also your ability to create tension like how much tension can you create and sustain it because those again are two different things but those are the foundational building blocks of um of strength and the other kick in the pants from isometrics is it is a form of cardio training yeah because you are under constant tension for like you know 30 60 sometimes a minute and a half Yep. And so you don't get a break, right? When you're doing a movement-based exercise, you get to the top or you get to the bottom. There's points in the movement where it gets easier. And so you can find little breaks, man. When you are just holding the bottom of a squat and just holding that for 90 seconds, you know, much, much less just, you know, adding load to it too, right? Like I get to where you're holding weight to, to make it even heavier. Right. But your muscles are having, your muscles are creating um, energy, right? To fuel that tension. And so you're, you're, you're under these high tension loads and your body's having to learn how to fuel uh, these high tension things. In fact, I coined the term high tension cardio uh, a long time ago because mm-hmm. not all cardio is the same, right? Like high tension cardio is different than low tension cardio. So when you're just sitting and cruising and it's real easy, that's low tension cardio. You know, you hit a, a hard climb that, that's really steep and you're having to like stand up and, and grind up it. Right. Like everybody can instinctively, okay, that's more tension. You have to create more tension in the system to fuel that movement. So that starts to become high tension cardio. And you look at where a lot of riders struggle is with the high tension efforts. Yes. The the high tension efforts are either really hard for them or overly tax them, right? Like they'll get through them, but then they're just really having a hard time recovering from them. And so this is one of the reasons why high intensity intervals are so popular with riders these days is because it works on that high tension cardio right, element, yeah. but nothing is more high tension than isometrics. Like yeah. nothing works at high tension cardio in your mental toughness and your mental <laughs> fortitude to, to grind through it like isometrics do. So not only are you getting stronger, but you are improving the, the weak link in most people's cardio profile, which is that high tension, um, yeah. you know, those, those high tension efforts. Yeah, so, and, then, and then you combine that with uh, you know certain types of exercises where uh, you're incorporating a little bit more power, right? Um, one of the ones I found that I, I was uh, I read in a book called Maximum Overload for Cyclists, and it was a tough book to get through. Uh, but there was one particular exercise that they were they talked about, and that's like a, a walking lunge, but more like an explosive walking lunge where you're putting yeah you know you're adding weight and you're pushing through it, you know, and it kind of sort of in a lot of ways mimics a lot of the same you know, recruits a lot of the same muscles that you would have on a bike to some extent. But I found it actually, that was like the one exercise, that and some isometric exercises, like the combination of those two was like, holy shit. I mean, I was amazed at like how much more power I was able to push through the pedals just by incorporating, you know, a couple of other different things on top of something like an explosive walking lunge. You know, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, I mean... You know, I personally am not a big fan of of the explosive walking lunge. I don't I, I don't believe the risk to benefit ratio for most people is sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, because that is a pretty ballistic movement. It you is. Know, anytime you're dealing with you know, uh, you know the the you're dealing with momentum, 
And if you get into a situation where your body can't handle the momentum that's been created, that's where injuries occur. Yeah. So, you have and to so be that's very why power training. With and, yeah. yeah. It's why in general, you got to be careful with them. And uh, I would also argue that the context for pedaling on your bike is, different. is much different than that <laughs> because is. your foot doesn't come off of the pedal. No. And so if you really want to train your body for the specific application of power to the same context of you have that you have on the bike, you're not going to jump. You're not going to come off the ground. That's why box jumps no. and things I mean, like it, that really it, aren't great. It, it helps you if know, you're someone that comes off the pedals quite a bit. I mean, off, I'm sorry, off the saddle. You know, if you're, it recruits some of those things and yeah, that helps. But to your point, you're absolutely right. It's like most of the time you're not getting off the saddle all the time. Well, even if you get off the saddle, your foot doesn't come off the, off no, the pedal. No, it doesn't. Right. And so that's a different context for your Very foot. Much so, so like when you're, when your foot is coming off the ground, like when you're doing a, a walking lunge or, or a jumping lunge, that's a different context because your foot's actually breaking contact with the ground. So, yeah. And so I'm even thinking about like, this. I'm thinking about rethinking it even this year of like, oh, okay, when I get to my power workouts, do I even want to even mess with a walking lunge? Uh, I'll tell you or, what to do. I'll tell you a better op- option, man. I got options for you. They're, they're you better. Got options. I got options. I got you, options, man. man. So <laughs> swings are, this is why I prefer swings to, to, uh, you know, more traditional power exercises. Because again, you got to look at like, you know, where did this guy come up with the walking lunge, right? So he's looking at like, well, you know, you look at these athletes like sprinters and Olympic lifters and stuff right. like that. And, and, you know, where are they producing power and what's helping them? And the problem is, again, like they're, they're creating power in a different context, right? They're actually coming off the ground. Even an Olympic lifter actually jumps off the ground. It's for right. a microsecond, but he actually breaks contact. So, you know, the, the context for that is, is for creating power in those sports is different. And right. so, you know, that there, the, uh, if we're wanting to create an explosive movement, that's why I like the swings because the swings, your, your foot is staying planted on the ground. You're not coming up on your toes cause you're not trying to jump off of the ground. And so, right. uh, so a kettlebell swing in general, uh, but I, I actually like better, um, Indian, uh, excuse me, Indian club swings, like using heavy Indian clubs. Indian and it's, clubs. it's not as well known, right? They look like bowling pins. But you okay. get a pair of them that weigh like 10 pounds in each hand. And one, you're talking about your wrist, man, like holding Indian clubs works on your leverage based stability of your wrist in a way that no other training implement can. Yeah. And so really good for wrist stability on, on the bike. Um, but you can use that, the, the Indian clubs and you can stand with your feet narrow because again, looking at the context of the bike, like we have a narrow stance. So that's why you could argue, well, the lunge is more, you know, has this narrow stance. So maybe that's more specific, but you know, you can bring the legs in using the Indian clubs. And so what I've been doing is using these Indian club swings. I can send you a, a video and, and, you know, if people are interested, we can yeah, you know, find a way to, to share it with them. But the cool thing is you can do a single leg version of it as well. So like a stagger stance, you just stagger one foot back and so you're basically doing like a single leg swing. You know, you got a kickstand back there to make sure you don't fall over. But right. that is that is the most specific context that you can create for your body to train power and, and have it applied to the bike. And again, this is where like, you know, power becomes more specific. Like you have to understand the context you're creating power in order to yeah. be able to, to, to try and create, you know, recreate that as best as possible. And so, but yeah, that, that staggered stance, um, you know, narrow stance Indian club swing is a, uh, is a much better context, um, than, than that. But, you know, again, I think at the end of the day, the, 
you know, man, if you're, if you're, if you're doing something right, if you're making an effort, you're putting in hard work, like that's the thing, man, hard work, uh, is going to trump the best program that nobody actually does. Yeah. And consistency, so, right. That's what consistency, it's kind of all about. right. So man, if somebody, if you like those lunges and you're like, man, I really like these and I'm going to do these. And you're like, I'm not sure about these Indian club swings, James. And it's be- between that and nothing. I like do the lunges, man, do the lunges. You know, like that, that's like, you're, you're, that's fine. Yeah. Like I said, like with me, I'm always trying to figure out, is there a better way? Is there, you know, yeah. constantly reevaluating. And so for me, I've come to this conclusion over the last couple of years that that, that, um, that is the best power specific exercise, uh, you can do as a cyclist because it, it recreates that same context for your, your lower body and foot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, there, there's, there's a bunch of different options with that, but the, um, yeah, combining that, combining those things, man, are, are, yeah, some good mobility, some good isometric, some good power getting on the bike, you know, doesn't have to be complicated, but, uh, you need to do Uh, something. Yep. For sure. Which, uh, I think we'll touch on two different things before we go, but, um, one, um, uh, obviously, they can go to your website, bikejames.com, to get look at yeah. different programs and things like that. I think you know, for a lot of people just starting out, that's obviously one resource. Um, but I would say, do you have other things that maybe you know, books or other websites or anything like that that someone could u- utilize in order to kind of get a good start and like figuring out what a strength training program looks, you know, for them. Man, you know, I'm going to sound like an egotistical maniac, <laughs> but at the moment. I really think that that um, because of the misunderstanding and misapplication of isometric training, it's really hard for me to point to a whole lot of other places and say, you know, uh, this is a great resource because I feel like there is uh, there's just a big gap with that. So yeah. as long as, as as long as people understand and take what they're getting with a grain of salt, that. And, and, and within the strength training world, I, isometrics are, are starting to get more popular. Like I honestly believe in the next five to 10 years, they're going to be like way more mainstream and, and like, it's not even going to be a discussion anymore as far as like whether people should do them, right. uh, sort of thing. So if, as long as you understand that you, you want to be ahead of the curve and have some sort of isometric training, uh, in there and, and take what you're reading with a, with a, um, with a grain of salt and stuff. I think that, uh, there's a guy named Dan John. Uh, he's got a few books out. Um, God, I think it's danjohn.net or something is his, his website. Uh, but he's a, um, a strength coach. He's done a really good job of, I guess the way I put it is there's, there's two kinds of people out there. There's, there's the complicators and there's the demystifiers and some <laughs> yeah, people needlessly complicate things, man, <laughs> you know, whether that's just how their brain works or whether they're doing it to like. Yeah. you know, make themselves sound smart and kind of that's be the, that's the maximum. Or, that's the maximum overload for cyclist book. <laughs> thing was yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it's like this sounds really complicated. Why? Right. You know? So Dan John's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. I really like his work because he's a demystifier, you know, he will demystify a lot of these things. And so he just had a, uh, um, a book come out called attempts, uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a good one for people to check out. And he actually outlines his easy strength program. That's another book that he's written. That's, uh, that's really good. Um, so I really like his stuff. Uh, you know, man, to, to be yeah. honest with you, I'm not really plugged in to the online fitness world. 
uh, no. at the moment. Steve Maxwell, that's another guy that people should follow. He's the guy that I learned about isometrics from. And so I think it's Steve Maxwell, sc.com, like for strength and conditioning. Uh, but yeah, he's a, a yeah, he's a, just a wealth of knowledge, man. He's got so much good stuff. Cool. And then, you know, you got like your sites like Strong First. Um, you know, I still think that, you know, the, the, uh, um, dragon door with the Russian kettlebell challenge, you know, they're still doing some good stuff. They've got some really good, uh, isometric stuff The the problem with them is they've got a product, the $500 product that you can actually just go and make yourself at a hardware store for like <laughs> yeah. 50 bucks I know. that they're trying to sell with the information. So I don't think enough people are really taking it as seriously as they should, but they're yeah. doing some really great things with body training and isometrics, um, cool. there. And so, uh, yeah, man, I mean, and then what I do, what I would suggest is, is look at, cause those websites and those people are going to mention people and then go check them out. Yeah. And then exactly. those people are going to mention people. And, yeah, and that's, learn. that's really kind of, yeah, that, that's all I've, I've learned, you know, I'm reading a book and I'm like, Oh, this guy mentions this book. I go check that book out. Yeah. Cause even you my know? own, my own programs are like an incorporation of like, you know, multiple different things. I mean, I, I, I a couple different books that are like the main core, but then other things I'm learning as I go and I'm always like going in and tweaking my, you know, routines a little bit here and there to kind of yeah. fit a certain goal. And it's like, you know, it, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll screw up and I realize, Oh shit. Now I'm doing like an hour <laughs> over an hour on workouts. Like, what am I doing? I'm killing yeah. myself. And then you kind of pull, pull the reins back, reevaluate your goals, you know, that, that, to all that. Um, now, uh, last little bit, I think, uh, is uh, I mentioned this, I think, to you in an email about how, uh, because of COVID, uh, there's a couple of major gyms that have filed for bankruptcy. And, you know, that, that it's funny because I read that and I went, ha, okay, that's not unexpected. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, me, I mean, I, I've been a home gymmer anyways for the better part of like, you know, for two years now. Um, and I think a lot of what uh, you talk about, especially like on even on your own website, it incorporates a lot of things where it's like you don't have to go and have a gym membership just to be able to do a workout. There's no. a lot of things you can do where you can get, you know, kettlebells or adjustable dumbbells and, and that sort of thing. And like where you don't have, you know, it's a minimal investment. And I found it actually that if you're just starting out with strength training, just realize that you don't have to go and spend a monthly fee just to have a gym. You can actually have a home gym, spend a little bit of money up front, yes. Uh, but you don't have to spend a lot of money to get started. Um, but you know, the privacy of your own home and there's benefits to that, obviously, but, uh, just starting out, letting people know that, you know, you do have options, even though these gyms are having a really hard time. Um, there's still things you can do where you can kind of build your own gym at home, you know, as yeah. opposed to having to go to a gym. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, uh, I think I mentioned when we were talking about before we got going that there's, uh, several dinosaurs out there in, in a few industries that this comet known as uh, COVID is, uh, you know, taking out or, or showing or vulnerable. And the large, uh, you know, traditional gyms um, or even just, you know, gyms that are just really corporate, because even the ones like, the, you know, in that article that you sent me, you know, one was like a, a yoga chain. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, but it's this idea of like yoga this works. franchise yeah franchise the world right like you're gonna you're just gonna you know spread out all over and so you get spread really thin and you're not able to to uh you know any little thing happens and so i think that um 
the gems that are continuing to do well are, you know, kind of the small and, and I, I use the word, but kind of CrossFit style gyms because, yeah. you know, say what you will about CrossFit and their training methods. What they do a really great job of is creating a sense of community. Yep. And and that that's just as important for people as the exercise in some ways. And so for some people, those gyms, it is kind of sad because like there are people and and that the, those gyms were their spot. You know, they walk yep. in and the front desk person knows their name and, you know, yes. they come in at the same time and they see the same people. And so, you know, there's a little bit of that social aspect, but for the vast majority of people who are members of gyms like that, that's not what they're there for. They're there because they got a, you know, $20 a month lifetime membership or some, you know, nonsense. Yep. And so, you know, those things just don't have the same uh, appeal to people. Yeah. And so, you know, the the idea of, of having a home gym um, or, you know, finding a smaller kind of boutique style gym that, that has a sense of community that you really enjoy being a part of, uh, I think is a much better bet for people. I just, you know, the traditional approach, like I said, it's like you go join a gym, uh, you, you read a couple issues of, of some magazine or maybe a book and you get in there and you go for it or, and, or, or worse. Uh, it's like, you know, the gym that I went to, um, the, it's like they offer some kind of, of, uh, programs, you know, where you can actually get some, you know, a fitness trainer. Right. Uh, yep. but then you get with a fitness trainer and you're trying to figure out, you know, what, what's a good routine for me what's best for my body type and blah, blah, blah. And here's my goals. And then all they're really doing is just here, do this. All right. Now go do this exercise. Now do this. And it's like basically a glorified circuit workout. Um, yeah. and just having you do a bunch of shit and you're like, okay, that did not answer any of my questions. I don't know what the hell I'm doing now, whatever. Um, so they're not actually doing any like custom tailoring to your needs or anything no. like that. I, mean, I've, I've I think those boutique ones and... you talked about are more closer to that. That sense of community yes. is about looking at you as an individual and seeing what they can do to help you. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. It's, and that's, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I've, I've, I've worked in those gyms. Um, and you know, the, those initial training sessions are not meant to actually educate you in a way that will, allow you to leave that training session and feel confident no. what you're doing. They're trying to get you to buy more training. Yep. You know, that, that's what it's for. And so begin, man, like that model, I mean, I used, I used to manage a gym in Tyler, actually, when I lived there, it was like probably the last time I've set foot in a commercial gym to work out. Uh, and man, it made me sad when I realized <laughs> that we couldn't accommodate all of the people who'd signed up as members. You know what I mean? Like, if it, so if, if for me to charge, you know, $20 a month, I got to have, you know, 500 plus people, whatever, you know, I forget what the numbers were signed up and the gym couldn't accommodate all those people. No. So you're literally hoping, you're literally betting that a certain percentage of people are never going to show up and use the facility. Yep. You're not going to help them. They're not going to get helped. They're going to be a card carrying member. That's what we used to call them. You know, they, they, they carry their card. That's what they are. They, they never come in, but they're a card carrying member. And uh, that was sad to me. It really bothered me when when I, I realized that. And so, but that's the model that these gyms have. And so that's, you know, I don't, I don't think that that goes along with the spirit of the thing. I don't think that, you know, trying to help people uh, that, that, that goes along with that. And I think that that's why, you know, fate, karma, whatever you want to call it is, 
exacting some retribution on that model. You know, it's not those gyms, it's that model, right? Like, and so you can, uh, you know, the model of buying this huge space and, and trying to, you know, oversell memberships and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, that's, that, that model's yeah. dead. And so, but yeah, man, there's, there's yeah. a lot of other options for people and you're going to be better off for it because your odds of success are going to be higher, I think, than, than if you went into a gym and followed the traditional model, because exactly. again, not to get like off on a, a weird side tangent, but man, the, the, the thing, the, the big elephant in the room that people barely want to talk about is what COVID-19 is exposed is how unhealthy we are as a nation. <laughs> yes. No kidding. You, no, man. If we, if we did, if the average person out there wasn't overweight and obese, you know, this, this would not have the effect that it would. In fact, I mean, you, you've even had, you know, uh, you know, the old Fauci say that it's like, man, if it, we can't do the herd immunity thing because the, the numbers of people who would be affected because of how many obese and you know people we have yes. and it, but that's the reason right this is the reason that we're in this this condition right now that we're in is because we have an unhealthy sick population mm-hmm. and you know that is what the national uh you know what what's a threat to, to national security right like i i'm i i've told people like man what covid19 has shown us is that being overweight is no longer personal choice Yep. Right. You can't tell me that you, you that this is a personal choice because you know what? You being overweight puts me at risk because we've had to shut down the whole damn country to help protect people who are at risk like that. And it's like, so, but I'm being affected by that. So no, so your, your choice to be overweight and fat is no longer just a personal choice, brother, because your personal choice has directly affected me. And yeah, so that's now, the thing that, yeah, that's always a rub. It's like, a. uh, and, and even when we're talking about string training and things like that, I mean, it's uh, it's always a thing of like, um, you yeah, there's a personal responsibility there, no doubt. Uh, but it's also realizing that whatever that personal responsibility you choose to take has an effect on other people. Yeah. But like man, yeah, not, my, I'm, just, that ultimately, is is. My, ultimately, my point on some level is really to point a finger at the fitness industry. Yes. Because yeah. we're the ones who are supposed to be in charge of this shit. Yes, and so that that becomes We've been a point. asleep at the wheel. Yeah, and why? No because kidding. we're selling twenty dollars memberships, and we hope exactly. people don't show up. Yeah. So then, the the best advice that I could probably give to people on on that level is okay. If you're going to go out, and if you want a quick and easy way to get into strength training, uh, finding a gym membership, but be careful. Take advantage of the trials, and find a place where that gives you the kind of experience that you're looking for. Think about the actual overall experience that you're getting. Yes. That includes even the people that are there. Are they, do they pay attention to your needs? Uh, are they giving you programs that were, that truly pay attention to what your needs are, not just everybody else's needs? Um, cause I, I found that out myself the hard way. And if you find someplace like that, that has a sense of community, that has a sense of, you know, belonging. And if you feel like, you know, you're actually able to accomplish your goals, great, stick with it. If not run like hell, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, don't sign up for that damn membership and get locked in. It, it, yeah. You'll just be pissed off in the long run. So Man, be very, very wary. Bike. Yeah. In other words, find the gym that actually cares about your experience. Period. Yeah. And that's yep. bottom line. If not home gym, it, if you, if that's what, you feel better at there's ways gyms doing are great options yeah. yeah yeah but a gym I, I tell people people will hit me up like oh what kind of bike should i buy and i'm like man really what you need to look at you're buying the bike shop yeah right so you like you may get a little bit better deal on this bike but man if the people there are dick 
and they yes. make you feel, you know what I mean? I mean it's not yeah, worth it. I agree. Cause I mean, even though I'm able to, uh, I work on my own bike, I fix my own bike, all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of like my own mechanic, but at the same time, having a good bike shop where I know I can show up, I I'm looking for specific things, specific parts, and they can actually help me out in that area. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really important. It is, man. And same thing with the gym. It's like there's certain yep. things you don't want to try and save a few bucks on and then just deal with a lousy experience. It's actually going to sabotage you more no in the end. kidding. And so, yeah, like finding a gym or a place to work out um, or, you know, a bike shop. But, yeah, those things are, are very similar to each other with your uh, with what you're looking for. But, yeah, but the home gym thing is, is great. I just I just know some people like the sense of community. Like some mm-hmm. people like the sense of like, you know, putting on their shoes and driving to the gym. There's like a, a ritual that gets them in the mindset. And and some people have a tougher time working out at home because, yes. you know, there's always the potential for distractions and you, you really got to carve that out and, and do that. So that's why like as big of a fan as I am for home gyms and, you know, my choice by far is number one. I just also know that if that's not you, then that's yes. fine. And so find you a place, but like we were saying, find a place that's going to actually help you as opposed to just take your 20 bucks a month. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't want to say, you know, home gym is the only way. Cause like, you know, they say exactly. that home gym is the only way, but I'm a social animal. You don't understand. Yep. It's like, I get yep. it. No, I totally get exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> find what works for you, man. But yeah, that's, yeah, but yeah, exactly. it's, if you are going to go to a gym, make sure you're, you, uh, you find one that's going to help you. Well, cool. I think we threw like a shit ton of information everybody and they're probably i'm sure listeners are gonna probably go oh i feel somewhat confused now (laughs) that's fine it's okay to be confused it's just like we said you know read as much as you can find some programs that work for you you know and and be consistent with it yep consistency trumps everything i mean that is that is the sad fact i mentioned this before but like you can have a really subpar program and if you're consistent with it i mean obviously if it's not hurting you in the process right you know, you're, you're going to get much better results than the guy who's got the perfect program and he doesn't do it and he's inconsistent. So yeah. find something that you enjoy that you're going to be able to be consistent with. Um, I will say like, if you are interested in isometric training, I do have a free, uh, <gasps> uh like a trial 30 day workout that people can sign up for again at, at bikejames.com. There's a, a tab that says free stuff. And I've got a bunch of free, like our kettlebell workouts, dumbbell yep. workouts, like a bunch of free sample workouts that people can download and check out if they want to see kind of how uh, these things work. And you can apply these different tools to some of the, the strategies that we've talked about. There you um, go. But yeah, I think that'd be a good place for anybody to, to, who wants to you know, learn yep. more to get started. Perfect. Well, go to bikejames.com, download those free stuff. And then, hey, if you like it, try out some other training programs that uh, James offers. Please. Yeah, for sure. No, they're uh, they're there. I'm uh, I'm retooling a bunch of stuff. I'm getting into this new type of uh, cardio training where you do exhale holds oh. and really try to build your your CO2 tolerance. Again, the science behind it's fascinating. Yes, and you're just like, why do we not know about this? Like that, you know, what what triggers that breathless feeling isn't a drop in oxygen; it's a rise in CO2. Oh, wow. and and yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? It's it, so that's what triggers that. It's not running out of gas, right? Like when we talk about cardio, there's two, there's running out of gas, and then there's that breathless feeling, mm-hmm. and they're not yeah. the same thing, right? That breathless feeling, but that breathless feeling is triggered by a rise in CO2, and so you have to specifically train your tolerance for CO2 to get better at it and to yeah. reduce that breathless feeling 
And you don't necessarily do that with traditional cardio training and high intensity intervals. So that's, um, like, that's getting into some real geeky type stuff when we, we talk about stuff. Yeah, see what you do is you do those breathing techniques uh, while you're doing your exercises, which improves your VO2 max to exponential levels. You know, that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> like, well, this is simple. You just hold your breath. Just hold you your go breath. Into, For really you go until you time. can't anymore. <laughs> and then you try not to panic. <laughs> and, uh, that's yes. the thing. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, remember Creep Show, the movie Creep Show? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, hold your breath for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, yeah. He was on to something, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right. cool, yeah, but like, I, I, I guess I understand people can check me out there. I've got some new stuff coming out that's, you cool. know, again, diving into some different things that people may not have heard of before. And uh, yeah, it might give us another, you know, I think cardio training might be a good topic for us to just dive yeah. into uh, okay, maybe that on and the next breathing podcast. and you know yeah absolutely yeah it'd be yeah. a lot of really good stuff to talk about uh, yeah there's a ton of got. good stuff in that area so. already well hey i think uh i think we gotta close her out right quick yeah man well thanks so much again for coming back on and uh, uh wealth of knowledge there obviously for people um and um, hopefully we can talk about even more fun stuff uh in the episodes to come yeah, no, it's fun, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. All right. Well, until then, you have a great day, man. <laughs> I will, man. Thanks. All righty. And there you have another wonderful episode of the Bellin' Up podcast. And as always, I thank James Wilson for coming on the show. I'll tell you, his insights into MTB and strength training are always invaluable. In fact, I'm hopefully, uh, if he is willing, I might even actually just make him a co-host of the show. Um, hey, and if you like what you heard, uh, one of the first things, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, if you would, subscribe, because we're going to have hopefully James back on. We're going to have a bunch of other different topics. In the meantime, hop on to Velanon.com. Uh, be sure and subscribe to our RSS feeds there. I'm certainly going to be writing more articles, going to be some more videos up, hopefully one about my string training program. But there's more to come, folks. In the meantime, stay calm and pedal on. <laughs>